Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 231. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. Denver Film Festival, baby. That's right. DFF42. I am back. It is my fifth year covering films at the Denver Film Festival, and I am thrilled. This is my favorite time of year on the podcast. And before we do anything else, got to give a quick shout to Neil Trulio who was spectacular at coordinating and lining up these interviews for me. I could not do it without him, and we have a fantastic slate coming up. I already shared it with you on Facebook. So go to facebook.com slash J-O-A-T-Pod. You will see a post there for all the coverage that I have coming up. A lot of this is tentative, of course, because you never know when things might fall through, schedules change, whatever. But we definitely have this one, the first one of DFF42, and it's a good one. I've got Lily Zepeda and Jack Sim. Now, they are the director and subject of a documentary called Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man. And as soon as I saw this on the schedule, I knew Neil was going to pitch it to me, and I could not wait. Because this is my wheelhouse. I love talking about issues. I love talking about kind of offbeat things. And Jack is a character, man. Jack Sim. He is Mr. Toilet. He has dedicated the last 22 years to bringing toilets and sanitation to places across the world that don't have them and that need them. Lily is the documentarian who got hooked up with Jack after seeing Caltech win an award for best toilet that was put on by Bill and Melinda Gates. She interviewed Jack and she said, this guy's a character, I gotta make a movie about him. So on episode 231, I sit down with both of them and we talk about issues of sanitation. We talk about documentary filmmaking. We talk about having a positive outlook on life. And Jack, it's in the back part of this episode, but teaches me a term I'd never heard before, but I'm going to use from this point forward. It's called pronoia. It's the opposite of paranoia. Paranoia is the belief that everyone is out to get you. Pronoia is the belief that the world is out there to help you. The world is on your side. And what a beautiful sentiment. I mean, my God, if we all lived our lives that way with optimism and hope and belief that the world is with us, how much could we get done? And Jack is tireless. He is relentless. And he's funny. Like, what a cool guy. There's an anecdote in this story about while they're filming in India, they have like a half-day shoot, and he goes, I want to go shopping. He ends up crashing a wedding taking a photo with the bride and groom, has a great time. Unreal. Like, this guy is magnetic. And Lily saw that. And it comes through in the documentary. I cannot recommend this documentary highly enough. It is a fun watch. And I mean, come on. We're talking about toilets. We're talking about shitting. I put that right up front because that word comes up a lot. They say, in America, you can't even use the word shit. It comes up a lot in this movie because that's what we're talking about. And people are kind of uncomfortable with that. They go, eh, we're talking about shitting, I'm kind of uncomfortable about it. Why? Literally, every single person does it. Everyone has to do it. And we are privileged here in America with toilets. I mean, you see scenes in this film in India with people practicing open defecation. And that has a lot of implications. There's sanitation issues. There's health issues. That affects tourism. That affects economic vitality. 
I mean, there's so much that goes in to this basic need that is under address throughout the world that Jack has dedicated his life to helping eradicate. As I record this in my house, I have four toilets in this one house alone. Can you believe that? And nearly half the world doesn't have toilets. Now, how do you start talking about this? Well, you do it with a little offbeat humor. You disarm people by being funny. And that works really, really well to get to the heart of the issue, something that's very, very important. So, Jack is a funny, cool, good-hearted guy. The documentary reflects that tone beautifully. And this interview is just another piece of that overall landscape. We have a great time talking in this episode, and we cover a lot of ground. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. It is but the first episode of my coverage of Denver Film Festival, and we are setting the tone brilliantly. Now, to stay up on coverage, go to the John of All Trades website. That's J-O-N of all trades.us. I just redesigned the site. It's much better looking than the placeholder theme I had there. You can also stay up to date with coverage on social media. J-O-A-T pod is the handle on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. But let's start with this one. Episode 231 features Jack Sim and Lily Zapeta. They are the subject and the director of the documentary, Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man. Their episode starts right now. Well, it's been a, a long trip, but uh, I've just uh, launched my biography in Japanese in Tokyo. Oh, wow. So uh, now it's in all the bookstore in Tokyo. Mm. And then I come over here, really excited, <laughs> yes. How many languages do you speak, Jack? Uh, only Mandarin and English. Okay. Yes. But you, uh, your biography was in Japanese. Yeah. The publisher was very interested, so I went to do a two days of eight hours interview. Wow. And they translate whatever I say into the biography. So actually, it's the easiest way to write a book because you don't even have to write. Just keep yeah. on talking, and then they will <laughs> edit it into a wonderful book. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what. We won't do eight hours here. Okay. This is Jack Sim and Lily Zapeta, and uh, you are the subject and the director of Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man, yes. a documentary I had the pleasure of seeing yesterday. Oh, you saw And so, yeah, I got a screener and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, uh, the work that you're doing, I think, is remarkable, Jack. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's come out naturally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just comes out. Yes. <laughs> it uh, it certainly does. Okay, so I mean, a fairly rote question to start, but Lily, how did you get hooked up with Jack? That's a very good question. Um, I actually wasn't originally didn't even know about him, but the Caltech, Caltech uh, University, where I'm from in LA, won the grand prize for a toilet challenge nice. that Bill and Melinda Gates put on. So they put on this big challenge around the world, build the best toilet, you know, and they won because they had the solar powered toilet that reuses like the water and everything. So basically you can drink your own pee, oh. um, which it's is like great. the movie water world. Super great. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. <laughs> and so after I hung out with them for a while at Caltech, I was very curious, like, how can I make this a story? Because you guys are spending your life on a toilet. Yeah. Um, and they're like, if you think we're so interesting, you got to meet Mr. Toilet. And so I <laughs> Skyped him and his Skype name is yeah. urgent. Gotta go. Nice. So we had a little Skype session and within, five minutes i just knew he was like a character of a film yeah. i just knew you know he, if anybody could talk about shit it would be him well yeah. jack it seems like you have a, a relentless self-promoter 
Jean <laughs> about you. So when she approached you about a documentary, mm. were you excited? Were you nervous at all? What was your reaction? So I entertain every media because the main part of the work is to talk about something that is so taboo and every media opportunity I jump on it. But I didn't know that it's going to take uh, five to six years to finish <laughs> a film. I thought she's probably going to do this in uh, one go or I don't know what to expect, but uh, she stayed on and I think even how she fundraised and, and made this movie that that's a miracle itself. I, I, every movie that gets made is a miracle. And that's, For sure. I mean, this is my fifth year at Denver Film Festival and every director and every person who's made a movie has said to me, the fact that this thing got finished yes. is absolutely amazing and mystifying to me. That's so true. That's so true. I mean, like, it doesn't just take like a village to make a movie. It takes an army. <laughs> right. And then, I mean, you, you give up about, you know, 20 times and then you come back to it. Mm -hmm. so. I mean, I do this podcast and this is like fairly DIY. It's kind of, like, I'm rooted in punk rock. So I love like <laughs> DIY. Um, but I, even just doing this, a weekly grind of this, I think about giving it up constantly mm -hmm. too. Cause you have to edit it and you yeah. have to put it out content all the time. And I got to book it and I got to promote yep. it. And like this part we're doing, and I always say this on the show, anyone who listens is going to be tired of this, but this is my favorite part, right? right? Like when you get to actually do this, this, this is the best part. Mm -hmm. And especially for you, because this has international challenges to it too. So logistically, what did you do previous to this documentary to equip you for this? Or were you kind of learning on the fly? Every indie filmmaker learns on the fly, but that's actually a very good question. Not many people ask that question because you see the film, you eat popcorn, and then you go home. But like to even get a filming permissions in India took oh me three months, and I was told it would actually take a year and a half. But because I'm a really good at like you know uh, harassment, so to say, speak, <laughs> you know, say so you're tenacious. Uh, How about tenacious. That? I'm very tenacious, and so like I basically followed around a guy at the consulate in in San Francisco, and I said, I just need you to stamp this, you know, passport. I come on, guy. To, yeah, come on. Let's <laughs> let's do this. This isn't that hard, right? Yeah, it's not that hard. I can get your stamp for you. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. things like that are really difficult. That's mm -hmm. too funny. Jack, how much are you on the road? About half the time every year. So, so what, like 180 days a year, something yeah, like that? Yeah, maybe 150, 180. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, right. you're, you're like a... You're like a comedian or a band or yeah. a uh, a pro wrestler or something. Basically, yeah. No, actually, you know, what keeps me going is the fact that it's working and to see things happening like this at first sounds like a joke, you know, the WTO and Mr. Toilet. <laughs> uh, the thing is not, it's not about me. It's about changing society mm -hmm. and toilet is such a, taboo subject that the only way to do it is to use humor yeah and in the entire development sector there's not so many people willing to be funny or right uh, to be self-deprecating mm -hmm. so whatever i do is to make sure that uh, toilets and sanitation stays on top of the agenda is a lot of problems not having a toilet. Can you imagine not having a toilet? I absolutely cannot imagine that. No. Yeah. So this is so much problem. Like um, girls get raped when they go outside to defecate in the bush. And then there's shit going to the river and pollute the drinking water. Right. And then people drink it and get sick and go to hospital. 
and children dying, all these kind of problems just because we don't talk about it. So uh, the opportunity to do something that breaks a taboo is uh, really, really nice to do. Absolutely. And you have to disarm them with a little bit of humor, mm. right? Because then once they sort of crack, once they crack up a little bit, they go, okay, we can talk about this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I, I was curious, culturally, what parts of the world are most embarrassed talking about toilets or talking about shit? I think in the middle is the people find it very difficult to talk about it. Then we discovered that we could use the uh, Islamic um, scholar books that talk about ablution before prayer. Oh, yeah. And then that helps uh, the way to talk about toilets. But there are many, many places that really, uh, in some of the interviews, we're not allowed even in America to talk to use the word shit. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, America is rooted in a puritanical culture. So I was going to guess that America, in some places, might be even one of the most uncomfortable places talking about this. Is that accurate? Is that fair? I'm speculating. Yeah. I mean, he's probably traveled more than I have. But, you know, I've been to India, China, Singapore, and U.S. are most of my filming opportunities. And I actually found it pretty similar embarrassment. I mean... Oh, r across very, the board? Across the board. Similar. Like, you know, there's different levels and different you know places you go but i actually find it similar it just depends what gets them for americans for sure humor gets us sure for sure like anything you're willing to do on behalf of just being really dumb uh then <laughs> oh okay i'll pay attention to it yeah. now and yeah mm -hmm. well i mean I, one thing i was gonna say was this documentary has a really light and kind of antic tone was that intentional to help people get past the possible discomfort with the subject matter or was that a re uh, a reflection of Jack's approach, or both? Uh, definitely both. How how I navigate the world is definitely through humor, so that's probably why I gravitated towards him. Um, but it's also to be able to see through the mind of an eyes of somebody who is sixty years old, but he's actually like kind of like twelve in this in a good sense, right? Yeah. So he uses his childlike genius to solve problems. And wow. if we all use our childlike mind to solve problems, we actually could do more with it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of also why I wanted to express express that through the animation that I also use as well as like, hey, there's this part of you in everyone yeah. that could that could just be a little sillier, a little bit more fun and play with it. You yeah. Know? Jack, did you find the tone of the film reflective of the way you approach the issue? Yeah, actually, I didn't get a chance to watch it until the premiere in Toronto. Really? Yeah, yeah. he never saw it for wow. five years. And, <laughs> and uh, when I saw it, I felt it was very good because it's uh, done with a human angle mm -hmm. of uh, not just a funny guy but how difficult it is and how uh, the kind of disappointment that I met yeah. and I think she's captured uh, both the ups and the downs so mm -hmm. really good film I, absolutely and I'm always fascinated by the relationship between documentarian and subject <laughs> because Lily presumably you have affinity and some level of affection for Jack yeah but you also want to be faithful to the subject matter. Yeah. And so how do you navigate that in your craftsmanship of uh -huh. this film? You know, trying to do right by this person that you clearly adore, but also including some elements of criticism that people have of Jack. Yeah. That's actually really hard. It's really uncomfortable. But you keep going back. You try to get what you can, even if it's uncomfortable. And then you keep going back to the writing of the story later. It's like, does this... 
do justice to the story overall versus just justice to him. And Jack actually, compared to most people I've met in general, is pretty humble and can take criticism because he's been Mm. taking criticism for for over 40, 50 years. So I actually still was surprised, to be honest, that he didn't mind everything that we put in at the final premiere. But like he said, he's like, no, it made me really human. But that was hard. I think it all comes down to the editing room. Does this serve the greater purpose? And and am I being truthful? Am I being fair right right mm-hmm. and jack was it difficult seeing what others say about you candidly um that that might be perceived as false or are you pretty self-aware and comfortable with who you are yeah i've got to be uh who i am and there's no such a thing as uh, a bad um press <laughs> so if you say good things you say bad things it appear in the press and that's something good for the mission. Right. So the whole idea is not about me, but rather I'm a vehicle for the greater mission of breaking the taboo on toilet. So I'll do whatever is needed to make that happen. Well, clearly, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a rare movie where you have a shot of someone wiping their ass. In the first, like, what, two minutes? Oh, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching this. I'm like, wow. Like, we're in it. Like, this is, this is going to be that kind of movie. And it was, uh, it, put, it immediately didn't put me on the defensive, but it disarmed me. Yes. Right. And we got that a lot from feedback sessions. So a couple people would say that made me really uncomfortable. And I was like, great. Perfect. Great. That's wonderful. We're going to keep it. At least you're feeling something, yes. right? Mm hmm. Good. Yeah, you want to be very evocative, and it was right there, and I go, okay, and we're it did, in it. It made him less comfortable than it makes people comfortable watching it. I was filming him. <laughs> so we're filming him going to the bathroom, doing a yeah. very natural thing, and yet people are more uncomfortable than he is. So. Yeah. yeah. At least it's in frosted glass, yeah. so it's not too bad. <laughs> was that, uh, I mean, seeing that on the big screen, that's that's usually a very private moment for people, but here you are in front of all these people, and did it bother you? Well, I think it takes what it takes. So the truth is everybody wipe their ass. True. Uh, Otherwise, they wash it. (laughs) True. So it's just a normal thing, and the subject of going to the toilet has been a taboo because people just felt it's uncomfortable. They cannot accept the fact that they produce... Uh, waste smell, smell. Right. Yep. always they feel very guilty doing something they do every day i think sooner or later it has to uh, come out that this is normal yeah mm. you know it's funny because uh i also teach a class here in denver called boot camp for new dads so Ooh. it's it's really cool like veteran dads come in and their kids are between two and eight months old usually and they talk to these rookie dads who are expecting in the next few months oh. one of the questions i get a lot is i've never changed a diaper i'm really nervous mm. about it the veteran dads come in and they go this is not a big deal like you're going to get over that quickly Super quick, yeah. because i mean you're changing 10 diapers a day for the first however long and you realize at that point that it's sort of normal and mm. I think parenting is a great way of destigmatizing yes. poop and going to the bathroom because you're dealing with it constantly and it just becomes this rote thing. Yeah. And it's also, there's a greater mission there as well, right? You're taking care of a right. life that's, you know, helpless in a way. So in some ways you're like, okay, I think I can get over the poop thing right yeah. now. And <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's, and especially in those first few months of life when they're just drinking milk it has like no smell to it, you uh-huh. know, and it's not till babies start eating real food that 
they'll produce smells that'll peel the paint off your walls. You know what I mean? <laughs> the reason that poop smell is because they want to protect you from touching it. Right. Eating and it. Uh, yeah, so poop smell is for your protection. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, children might be touching it and uh, right. you get the uh, one gram of poop have 10 million pathogens. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. One gram? One gram. Yes. 10 million, yeah, bacteria in it. Wow. Viruses and whatever. So, so you, you need to be protected. On the other hand, it's a fertilizer. Right. Uh, it's a soil conditioner. So poop is kind of like designed in such a way and it's misunderstood. <laughs> And so, sure. I mean, somebody who is out there to protect you, you got really scared of him, you know, that's kind of thing like that. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of a gag from the show Family Guy, where they're trying to toilet train Stewie, and they're at the library, and uh, the librarian goes, well, we have the classic, everybody poops. Mm-hmm. We have the less popular, everybody poops but you. And he's like, well, we're Catholic. And he goes, oh, so here's what you want. Uh, you're a naughty child, and that's concentrated evil coming out the back of you. <laughs> I just saw a gross South Park one, too. You just yeah. made me think of all these cartoons that have... Right. Like, I mean, Mr. Hankey. Is... Yes, there's Mr. Hankey, and there's one on last night where... Is it Kevin? Who's the who's the fat one? Cartman. Cartman. He was the one who was trying to prove to everybody that if, not, if you put food up your butt, it will come out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... I promise $20 it'll happen. You put food up your butt, you'll actually poop out of your mouth. Gross. And they sat there watching him on the toilet, and he did. So then, like, the whole town was like, okay, let me try it. And, like, even adults were, like, pooping out of their mouth. So, you know, it works. It's a good joke. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to brush that much. Um, but uh, I think the point I was going to make was, you know, with a joke like that, it's funny because... We've tried to almost, I want to say like criminalize, that's not the mm. right word, stigmatize pooping. But you, I mean, it's part of the circle of life. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, it, it literally is something everyone does. And the, the fact that it smells foul to keep us away from it, I'm wondering what it's like when you go to a place like India that practices open defecation. And it, in some ways, I, I can't imagine what that smells like, first of all. But secondly... Does it almost have the opposite effect where people become less I don't know how I want to say this, but you know it's designed to keep us away, right so we don't handle it, but now it's everywhere mm-hmm. in India. Yeah. Does it have the inverse effect as a result of that? So I think that if your entire village opened that ficket every day and you grew up not knowing that there's such a thing called a flush toilet. Mm-hmm then it becomes normal. Uh, but the reality is that the flies goes to the poop and start to spread diseases by visiting the food of people, especially children. And when you eat it, you get stomach ache. Right. So a lot of visitors to going to India gets on their first visit what is called Delhi Belly, ah. which right. is diarrhea. Mm. And it spoils your entire holiday. And of course, on your second visit, if you still want to come, you get a resistance in your body. You start you building p- it up, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think that uh, the entire uh, society that is filthy has an economic effect because when you are sick, you cannot be productive. Then only a strong, healthy country 
can uh, grow to a developed country. That is why Prime Minister Modi built 110 million toilets now. Mm. 110 million? Yes. Well, supposedly. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I cleaned this up you afterwards. You didn't so. eat poop, so... No, no yeah. I sure didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, that... One of the first moments I laughed out loud was when you sit down with those two ladies... Uh, mm. Like to have some food, and you go. I'm the founder of the World Toilet Organization. Sounds terrible, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Is is that a common reaction from people when when you tell them that? Yeah, they were kind of uh, wondering why is there such a <laughs> a word "toilet" in the organizational name. Uh, in fact, uh, there was once I went to Davos at the World Economic Forum, and the director of publicities told me that. Actually, when he first heard about our name in the newspaper, he felt that we've got the wrong name. Because <laughs> who would believe somebody whose organization is called World Toilet Organization? Yeah. It sounds farcical, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, three hours later, he was having a second cup of coffee. And then he said, gosh, they got the best name. And I say, uh, what, what happened? He says, for three hours, it got stuck in my head. I couldn't get rid of it. Yes. It's so sticky. Ew. And in fact, anybody who has heard of World Toilet Organization never forgets. So that's a good name. It's yeah. very true. That's true. Yeah, I, I will never forget it as long as I live. Um, I'm also looking forward to November 19th. Coming Ooh, up, right? What are you going to do? Are you going to uh, sing to your toilet? I Write a poem to your toilet? I don't know yet. Oh, send flowers uh, to your toilet? But here's the thing. Okay. I, I can't stop thinking about it. Yes. Right? That's I mean, the point. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the point. <laughs> yeah. Why? What are you guys doing on uh, World so Toilet Day? I will be in New York because the United Nations World Toilet Day. So I might... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might run around in a costume and try to get on Good Morning America in the background or something like that. But oh, yeah, go to the Today Show. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> just keep running around in a poo costume and see if I can get some TV time. He's having a World Toilet Summit in Brazil, nice, okay. which he does in a different country every year. So this this time Brazil is, is hosting in, him. In Sao Paulo, the the governor of Sao Paulo wow. will be hosting it. And every year we bring experts to talk about different subjects. This year is about how not to pollute the Amazon River oh, good. and all the other rivers in Brazil. And I think that if we protect that, you save the water and you also save the lives of so many people. How widely practiced is open defecation in the world? About um, one-third of people one don't, third? don't have toilet. Wow. And uh, some of them have toilet, but no treatment. So about oh, okay. um, more than half of all the shit in the world are not treated. Wow. So yeah. it goes into the drain, in the river, onto the beaches. Sure. And in in Brazil, the beaches gets a lot of yeah. shit. And that actually uh, turns off tourists. Sure. So you lost a lot of income when you don't take care of the shit. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm thinking in America, I mean, that, that would be illegal. Right? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's a crime to open That's defecate. True. I mean, at public urination is a crime, and you have to register as a sex offender if you get caught yeah. doing that. I forgot about that. That's right. So if you're drunk, walking out of the club, right. you know, peeing in an alley. Right. And here's a story I've never told on the show, mm, but I was coming up on uh, on a parking garage when I was in college, and I he, there were some guys up there who could see me, like, getting ready. You know, I'm kind of getting my belts undone <laughs> and stuff. And he goes, you better not be peeing there. And I look up. It's a cop. And I go... 
No, officer, I'm not. I had to go really bad. But it's criminalized to that extent here. Yes. Right? And I think back, even like the Roman Empire had plumbing systems. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that was something that was dealt with in a very sophisticated way thousands of years ago. What do you think has inhibited other parts of the world from adopting things like this, where it seems like if you're looking at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this one would be right near the top. So what has been the inhibitors to that as we sit here in 2019? So the truth is that um, it's cultural, right? If somebody started building toilets and then the others keeping up the, with the Jonas's will have it. But right. if uh, you think they spend villages in India, spend a lot of money on festivals. Mm. So for those money they spend on the God's birthdays and whatever. Weddings. Yeah, weddings, you, you dowries. Make, you make the example of cell phones in the movie too. Like people yeah. have cell phones. It's got to be way more expensive than, than toilets. Yeah. Absolutely. They have cell phones squatting there in the open calling their friends. Right. So <laughs> more cell phones than toilets. So the, the, the idea about toilet is that it has to be a status symbol. Oh, okay. And if people kind of feel... Like if you don't have a toilet, then others will look down on you. Then that is f- much faster motivation than a uh, uh, rational uh, reason. Like oh, it's going to make you more healthy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you preach to people, they're like, I don't care. But if you, he uses jealousy and envy as a driver. Right, and I heard you use the word sexy a lot yep. in, in, in the movie. Yeah, toilet has to be sexy. And uh, when it's sexy, everybody will will have to have a toilet. Yeah. Just like the latest <laughs> iPhone, every time it comes out, everybody wants it. Yeah. Now it has like the three cameras on it. You know, it's the same thing can happen with a toilet for y- sure. You know who I think's done a good job of making toilets sexy is Japan. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yes. Because if you've, I've never been to Japan, but there's a few restaurants here that are kind of authentic, and they have like the high end, sophisticated Japanese toilet. I. I Have you ever gone on it? Oh, yeah. With the heated seats and the music yeah. and the... And the spray. Yes, like, it's perfect, yeah. right? And you go, wow, this is luxurious. Yeah, I it's didn't... great. <laughs> and it, yeah. it, it just it gets you in all the right spots. And you're like, why did I know about this? Yeah, how, how did I live my whole... It's yes. like, I didn't get a pedicure until I was 37. Ooh. And I got I got that done. I go, how have I been missing yep. out on this? Yep. Right? Toilet same thing pedicure. with Japanese toilets. You can be on the toilet while you get a pedicure, mm. too. Yeah. That, it's not just the equipment in Japan. If you go visit somebody's house and the toilet is dirty, then the entire family has a bad impression on other people. Mm. If you go to a factory to buy some, order some quantities of goods... And if the toilet is bad in the factory, you almost cancel the order because the quality control wouldn't be good if they can't even clean up their toilets. So toilet is uh, reflective of every aspect of your life yeah. in Japan. And if your toilet is not clean, your business is not good. <laughs> <laughs> All kind of things uh, happen. You know? Well, it's kind of funny if, uh, I mean, th- this is less of an issue for men because most of the time it's urination, mm-hmm. right? So you can stand up. But if you've ever spoken to any woman ever, mm-hmm. and like particularly going back to college, it's like, please, can we not go to this bar? The bathroom is disgusting, yes. right? I yes. mean, so it's almost like a prerequisite 
for uh, advancement of society, which I think is interesting. Well, women wait longer in line, too, and so they spend more time in there. They spend more time chatting. And he actually even enforced a law in uh, Singapore so that women can have more bathrooms, right? Yeah, we have this potty parity law. Potty parity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where Man, you are a master of wordplay. Yeah, you know it. that? <laughs> <laughs> so if you got uh, same number of square footage on the floor of the male or female toilet, then you will see that in the male you can, let's say, have three cubicles and three urinal. And in the ladies, you can only put four urinals, uh, uh, four, four cubicles. So in that case, you have six versus four. Mm-hmm. And that's right. not fair. So we changed the law that for every urinal or cubicle in the gents, you will have to have one cubicle in the ladies. So it becomes one to one. One to one. Not just square footage. Not square footage, but uh, places to go. And uh, we changed this law since 2005, and ladies do not have to queue up for public toilet in Singapore anymore. Wow. And then Hong Kong followed the law and China followed the law. We tried very hard to promote it in America and uh, we still haven't succeeded yet. In America, go on. That's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Our political <laughs> system loves have, women so much. <laughs> yeah, we have other things to worry about. So, <laughs> Lily, presumably when you started your career as a filmmaker, I'm assuming you didn't have your eye on toilets. Um, no. Um, always my eye on anything unique or weird. Like I start with unique, weird, or humorous, right? Yeah. I start with that. And you really can't take on a subject like at all in indie filmmaking unless you're willing to put in the time. And I think this was the first one that I saw myself really follow the threads and really fight for. Like as much as I kept visiting um, Caltech and I kept investigating it, I really saw that oh okay this is like your thing but you're right toilets i never had on my mind and now everybody sends me toilet jokes and uh, toilet news like every day i have a new text or a facebook message about (laughs) something did you see this and it's a toilet does it burn you out ever um i don't know about burning me out it's just like i've heard it before right so like i totally heard it thanks got it um but (laughs) i have a friend who uh (laughs) his last name is dick <laughs> uh, right, and yes. and so he said, the good thing about that is you will hear everything you're ever going to hear by the time you're seven years old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, even seven. Yeah. He's like, after that, it's someone. If someone can come up with a unique take on my last name, we're probably going to be it, good friends. Yes, it's a challenge. That's yeah. where it is. So if somebody has told me a joke, either I haven't heard in a while or or haven't heard at all, I'm like. <laughs> you got me and it's in my next Facebook post so right. thanks <laughs> and for me it's like having to tell the same thing for the last 22 years yeah. and never get bored of it and in fact uh, the way to tell it is very contextual so I find that uh, toilet is like love story you know you never get bored <laughs> you can keep telling the next love story and everybody still read it right? yeah <laughs> Well, Jack, it's funny, too, because uh, one of the themes that comes up on this show a lot is people who have grown dissatisfied with a job, and it's usually in a corporate job, Mm. and they end up making a pivot or a change to something more entrepreneurial. And you said um, business was easy for you. Making money just makes you miserable, and it makes you fat. Um, which I thought was funny. I'm like, makes you fat. Interesting. Um, I said when I left my corporate job, I'd become intellectually flabby. 
right? Oh. Which I thought was interesting. I wasn't sharp. Like I was just, it's easy to coast when you work for a big yep. organization. Yep. When you're out there grinding every day. Yep. You, you, all parts of your brain. Yeah. Right? You're razor sharp. Yep. But my question is to you, when you are taking on an issue of this scope, I'm wondering, like, does it ever burn you out? Do you ever think about, like, wouldn't it be nice to just go and coast somewhere for a little while? Does that ever creep into you? Yeah, I think that um, when I was 40 years old, I retired from commercial business Mm -hmm. because I felt that if you spend your entire life trying to benefit yourself, one person, or even your family, that's really not a goal. You have to spend the rest of the days doing something more meaningful, impacting larger number of people. In this case, it's two and a half billion people who don't have toilet that needs to be right. impacted, right? So I could did, have started with a smaller problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started with a countdown on my cell phone. To uh, there's a lot of countdown app you can download, and I set the end date, expiry date of my life at my 80th birthday. Hmm. So every day is one day less, and I started with. Uh, 14,600 days, which is actually uh, 365 multiplied by 40 years. Mm -hmm. And now I've got only 6,300 over days before I die. So how to motivate yourself to live a useful life? That's a very good thing because you know you're going to die. And all your ancestors are not here anymore. And you're sure to die, for sure. So in this case, you have to make full use of the time and the urgency uh, of death makes me want to use every day and that gives me a lot of energy and I don't burn out because on the last day of my life, I have to look back and say, I didn't waste my time. Yeah. I didn't go play golf or watch TV <laughs> or play computer game. I, I use every living moment doing something useful. Do you, I mean, do you ever allow yourself time for recreation or reflection or just leisure? Well, once in a while, I have a family holiday, uh, but the rest of the time, I don't have uh, weekends. I also don't have night time because when I wake up, I start communicating with people, doing my work, and then at night, I have to talk across the globe to Americans and yeah. And Lily called me. and All the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, actually, I tend to f- see that his leisure it comes naturally. So, like, when we were shooting in India one time, he's like, I want to go shopping because we had a half-day shoot. And we dropped him off at some random market. He came back late at night, and he had all this, like, new clothes, and he had, like, a... He had all, he was dressed up differently and he's like, Hey, I just went to a wedding. And so he like came back from somebody's wedding who invited him, ate a bunch of food, took pictures with the, you know, the wedding party and then came back. So his, his happens naturally. Yeah. 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 I just get crashed. I saw a wedding and I say, can I join you? And then I suddenly end up taking photograph with the bride and bridegroom. (laughs) And then I left. I don't know them. They don't know me. And this kind of things keep happening in my life. That's amazing. Uh, when I talk to people about, you know, in sort of high pressure jobs, and I would say what you're doing is very high stakes. Uh, one of the things we talk about is self care. And you, you seem to have a remarkable outlook on this where people are always fighting burnout, but that doesn't seem to afflict you. How, how do you take care of yourself and, and maintain your health? 
So actually, here is a piece of advice: every day you face some problem. So if you have a problem, then you have that problem. But if become if you become stressed on that problem. Suddenly, you have two problems. Oh, interesting! So why don't you have one problem <laughs> rather than have two problems? Very good idea. So if you don't get stressed, you just focus on solving that one problem. Then at least you have only one problem. Because if you get stressed and you get two problems, what happens is that you go home and suddenly you quarrel with your wife because you were stressed, and suddenly you have three problems. <laughs> And uh, it goes on and on. And don't mess up, you know. Just stay with the problem and don't yep. add the emotional dimension on it. Just work the problem yeah. and, and get it done. It's, it's, it sounds so easy, yep. the way you describe it. But I, I think a lot of people have a hard time getting out of their own way. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think you just have to reconcile on the fact and talk to yourself all the time. What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your body? Because when you are helping others, all the chemistry in your body is harmonized, and their cells are happy because you're giving. But when you are grabbing from other people, when you're fighting for the next promotion or playing politics, your body becomes toxic, yeah. and then you become very unhappy. So. Certainly, giving, loving, and caring for other people will make you a happy person. And of course, it's not monetary reward, but you actually earn money to make yourself happy. So why don't you become happy directly? Yeah. Well, I, that's fascinating to me because I think in the film, and I don't want to give too much away here, obviously, but you encounter some disappointments and some setbacks, particularly in India. But it, it sounds like you didn't dwell on that for too long. What was your mindset when you did suffer those setbacks? Because obviously the disappointment was palpable in the film. And the way that you construct it, I thought, like, I got a really good sense that this was, um, the, the, I got a good sense of the gravity of it, right? So how were you able to move past it? Um, or do you still carry any of that with you? No, actually, you cannot dwell on... Uh, frustration or failure. The only way is you can convert that into energy again. Um, how to be successful? If you try like 30, 40 things simultaneously hmm. and uh, some of them succeed and some of them fail and you don't count those that fail, you count those that succeed, you're very happy. And those that fail, you do not need to always say that they are failures because you call them work in progress. You can come back and visit them and redo them again. So always stay in a very positive mode and learn this word called pronoia. Hmm. Pronoia is the opposite of paranoia. Paranoia says that the whole world is against you and pronoia says the universe is on your side. Wow. And so if you keep believing that people are out there to help you and uh, the universe is on your side, sooner or later, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a positive way. That's a great point. And it's sort of related to one of my guiding philosophies in life, which is give people the opportunity to say yes. Mm. And, yeah. you know, so people are more willing to help you than you want to give them credit for. For sure. And yeah you have to ask the question for yeah. them to say yes. Mm -hmm. So give people the opportunity to say yes. Pro Noia, I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's amazing. 
Yeah. yeah. The world is so negative that positive words don't get used often. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the media, the news. I told journalists, why did you keep writing bad news? He says people don't want to read good news. I don't think so. I disagree too. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. It's just we, we're just used to the clickbait. We're used to that type of clickbait. But if we could be used to something else after that, it would be great. Yeah, I, the world is full of a lot of nihilism and a lot of mm-hmm. fatalism, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I think people are waiting to be inspired. Totally. And yeah. so if, if you just give them that opportunity, give them an opportunity to say yes, for God's sakes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, come on. Well, sometimes people are re- just even really af- afraid of asking for it because they're afraid of the rejection. But it, I think even in having to build a, f- a, f- a film team and a crew and, and filming all over, I don't have time to be embarrassed about somebody saying no or yes. Right. I, ha- I have time. I'm I got saying, shit to do. I got so much shit to do. So I'm just going to ask you. And if you say no, that means not yet. And then I'll move on to somebody else. Yeah. And then I'll come back to you when you're ready. And <laughs> you just kind of keep moving. Yeah. And it learns, learns a lot from him because it's like you get – once one person says yes, you have momentum. Yeah. And then after that momentum, people want to get on board. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, I want to be part of that party. Totally. So so I just think of it like one big party bus. Like, do you want to come have fun with us on this party bus or do you want to hop off? So Yeah, so you actually don't ask people to help you. You invite people to a beautiful journey Mm -hmm. to a better future. Mm -hmm. And in that case, when they see that better future, they want to join you. Yeah. And the better future may not be for ourselves. It could be also for other people. And everybody actually wants to do good. So if you see them as good, tends to be that they join you. I think there's a, that reminds me what you just said of this old Greek proverb that a guest of mine on my show said, which is an enlightened society is one in which someone plants a tree that they will never be able to sit under. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right? Where you're doing something for generations I love ahead. That. Yeah. Like it that that is the mark of an enlightened society. Mm. And I think that's that's what you're building here with your legacy. And the reward that you get is instantaneous. You do not have to wait for the tree to be grown uh, because you're not here anymore. But just knowing that in future people will enjoy the shade of the tree itself is a reward. That's right. Absolutely. All right. I know you guys got to get to your screening, so we are going to wrap up here. This is when we do plugs. So where can people find out more about Mr. Toilet? Jack, where can they find you? Screenings, what festivals are you going to next? Anything you want to plug, do it now. Yeah, I would love to. So please go to mrtoiletfilm.com. And we're actually also just after this going to have a theatrical release in L.A. and New York in honor of World Toilet Day. So we'll be in L.A. starting the November 8th and in New York starting November 22nd. So come celebrate with us. Yeah, also celebrate World Toilet Day, 19th of November. Uh, it is our founding day and is already adopted by the United Nations as the official UN World Toilet Day. Uh, the other thing is we are an NGO, so we need a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. And wherever you are, you can always volunteer with us uh, in any way that you enjoy very much. So you can find me on the Facebook anytime. And then you can just contact me. I'll reply you personally. Um, I, I don't doubt that in the least. I will have links to all of that on the companion blog piece that goes up with this. Also in the show notes, that's johnofalltrades.us. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, uh, you can check the show notes. There will be links to all this. So, Lily, Jack, this was an enormous pleasure. You all had a fantastic film. I think you're doing exceptional work, and I wish you all continued success. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Happy flushing. And that'll do it for episode 231 of the John of All Trades podcast. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you to Jack Sim and Lily Zapeta, the subject and the director, Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man, documentary, played at the Denver Film Festival. I'm thrilled to be able to see that movie and share more of the story on my little platform here. Go to the companion blog piece on johnofalltrades.us find links to get involved with Mr. Toilet or World Toilet Day, anything like that. They're also in the show notes, iTunes, Stitcher, or a billion other podcasters. No matter what you're listening on, leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button, brand new episodes will come to you. We're doing a ton of shows here at Denver Film Festival, so stay up to date with that on whatever platform you are listening on. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Training, content, engagement, podcasting, all ways to tell your organization's story. I'm happy to help you do it and get it right. Now, if you want to get it online, Four Degrees is the firm you need to talk to. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Social media marketing, online advertising, whether you have a product, a service, a campaign, or a candidate, they will get your message in front of the people who need to see it most on the platforms they are on. They're spectacular. They are my sponsor. And I'm proud to feature them. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. I'm out of here for now. I'm back very soon with a brand new episode coming to you from the Denver Film Festival, DFF 42. Thank you for listening. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.